Hi, before you start listening to this podcast, I need to tell you that the views, thoughts and opinions expressed belong solely to the contributors and not to any other organisation, committee, group or individual. We cannot verify the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to entertain, educate and promote discussion. Unless otherwise stated, we have not consulted medical professionals or other professional services. If you or anyone you know is affected by breast cancer or any other medical condition, please consult your doctor. Whether you agree or disagree with our discussion points, we would love to hear from you. Please keep your correspondence polite and respectful. You can contact us on chemoconvo at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hope you enjoy the series. Hello, hello. You're about to hear episode three of Conversations During Chemo. I'm going to be talking about bringing up kids in the age of social media with one of my oldest friends who I've literally known since we were babies, um, who flew over from Edinburgh to Geneva to see me. And I knew she'd have some wise words on the subject as the mum of a teenager and just generally a very wise person. Uh, So we had a really interesting conversation that I hope you'll enjoy. And yeah, I'm, I finished chemo three. I've actually gone on to chemo four already. So I've got a little bit behind with my updates for you guys. Chemo three was incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. Um, I found myself struggling mentally and physically. And I know that I said that after chemo one and chemo two, but just gets harder with everyone. And I don't really want to go into the details, but it wasn't pretty. And with along with my oncologist, we decided then to change the regime. He was very happy that we've managed to do three cycles of the strong drug, which is name I'm now, um, I now know the name of, because I think when I first recorded, I was a bit confused with all the drug names it's called Taxotere. That was the horrible one that really, really floored me. Um, and the nausea was just unbearable, along with some of the horrible side effects. So we're now moving on to a drug with a very similar name. Um, it's called Paclitaxel or shortened to Taxel. My oncologist is confident that I'll have less side effects from this. And we're going to have smaller doses every week rather than an intense dose every three weeks. And along with him, I feel hopeful that I'll be able to complete the course now because there were moments after cycle three where I just thought I'll take my chances with this bloody cancer. And even though like when I was thinking that I kind of knew that I wouldn't because I knew that I'd never forgive myself if I didn't give it everything I've got. It was so bad that in those bad moments, I really was just crying into my pillow and telling anyone that would listen that I wasn't cut out for it. I'm not one of these strong people. I'm not one of these people you see on Instagram smiling through chemo anymore. I might have been like that at the beginning. Um, so yeah, it was bad. It was bad, but I'm feeling more optimistic now. We've got this new regime in place. Spring has sprung and the end is in sight. So that's the update from Cancer World. Um, before you get into the podcast conversation between Rachel and myself, you're going to hear some quotes from people that I put on the spot, shoved my phone under their faces and asked them how they felt about bringing up kids in the age of social media. So over to them for their thoughts and then on to the podcast. Hope you enjoy it. 
While I'm not raising children myself, what I believe I would hope for raising girls in the era of social media is that they would avoid the parts of social media that are about comparison and status in favor of the parts of social media that open doors for for learning, curiosity, exposure to new ideas and new people. So I brought up a son during the age of social media. There's obviously things you've got to look out for, but the benefits of living in a world where you're more connected with your friends is fantastic. I honestly think bringing up children in the age of social media is terrifying. I think there is far too much pressure. I am really sad that they don't have a kind of innocence ahead of them that we had when we were kids. I remember putting off getting a phone for ages and ages and ages and because I just love being with people and seeing things through my eyes rather than through a phone or through a you know social media channel. Hi, so I'm sitting here with um, one of my oldest friends, and by oldest I don't mean oldest in age, I mean oldest in that we've literally known each other since we were bubbers. And we went to Mums and Toddlers, didn't we, Rachie? We did. Aww. So Rachel's come over from Edinburgh to keep me company in between chemos, and it's fantastic to see her, and she's also kindly agreed to um, come on the podcast and discuss... Well, I wasn't quite sure what to entitle this episode, Um so I'm going to start by, because each of my um, podcast episodes, Rachel follows that I'm kind of admitting something in the title. So you recall that I admitted that I'm not a feminist, although as it turns out, I am a feminist in the previous episode. Today, I'm going to admit that I'm hopelessly addicted to my smartphone. And off the back of that admission, we're going to discuss living in, well, maybe not the age of the internet, but how we navigate our lives with smartphones, with social media, and particularly with bringing up children um, as they get older, move into teenage years, the challenges and possibly the benefits that come with that. And we've just listened to some interesting quotes um, from people that I put on the spot in random (laughs) cafes. (laughs) So thanks to everyone that gave me their answer to the question, how do you feel about bringing up children in the age of social media. Rachie, what do you reckon about those quotes we just heard? Yeah, they're super interesting. Um, I thought, I suppose if I had to align myself with any of them, it possibly would be Mark in that, mm. I don't know, I'm optimistic. And I see, I do see the benefit of being in touch. And I'd look back at the hours I spent on the landline as a teenager. Oh, that's true. And seven five nine seven three three. <laughs> exactly, double seven double three eight six. Still got it. And and you know, I've been at school all day with friends, including Lizzie, and yet I would still phone that evening and talk about anything. And I, yeah, and I suppose true. the point is our kids don't have landlines. That's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I do. In terms of though, then moving on to the sort of social media, and I, let's face it, how many people and teenagers are using their phone to make a traditional phone call? That's not why they've got their phones. Mm. Um, so s- social media, it's something that we have experience of not having and having. Mm. Whereas, well, for instance, my teenager has only ever really known the world as digital. Yeah, um, she's seen me. Email, text, call, uh, you know, all this scroll. All the, scroll, loads of scrolling. 
Yeah, and I'm, I've lost the ability to to sit in the moment. Um, I've actually lost the ability to stand in a queue in a supermarket. Yeah. Without, I, I literally feel my arms starting to twitch. And it goes, it's almost like an electric charge. It's going towards my pocket. And I have to work really hard. And nine times out of ten, I fail. And maybe this is just, I have very little willpower. And I'll just, before I know it, that phone will be in my hand. And I'll be scrolling, normally yeah. checking WhatsApp. And it, it always ignites a kind of feeling of anxiety. So that would that begs the question, therefore, why do I do it? But it's like, I can't, I just can't be still anymore. Yeah. Um, and my children have grown up seeing me like that. And that's something that I regret. But at the same time, um, I just feel a bit helpless. Yeah. I would, I think maybe, um, obviously it's all depends on the individual. I would say perhaps teenagers have a better sense of managing notifications. I hope so. I mean, they have a better sense of the machines themselves, but they, they kind of seem to have a better understanding. Some of them, of course, when it goes wrong, it goes very wrong. And we've seen what, you know, people, um, especially certain sites which are based on appearances or getting comments about your likes and those sorts of things. I actually see with the teenagers, they, they sort of, <laughs> they all put things on stories rather than, um, uh, the stories minutes, disappear. They disappear, and so it's yeah. sort of they don't really. They're not in uh, the ones that have been curated. It seems are kind of like the, <laughs> the middle-aged mums making, you know, taking That's photos. But yes, there were definitely in terms of the notifications. I think they have a sort of sort of sense of it's not something separate from them. They don't have to immediately respond. They don't have to answer a phone call. They That's just very healthy compared to how of, I feel. And me, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm looking, I get an email, I get this, I get that. I've got all these different ways of people needing to get in touch. Mm. What if you miss it? Do you need to phone it back immediately? What if they've seen the blue ticks? What if they've seen that? Yeah, absolutely. Have they seen... So uh, I think I know that I am already out of date and behind how these things are going. And I suppose ultimately I think... It is all they've known, and it's here. But um... to me, that's an optimistic start. That you, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you identify with Mark's comment about you know how it, you know there's more positives with the connection. Because um, my friend Chloe, who who mentions that she finds the whole thing terrifying, mm-hmm. is kind of that's a bit more how I feel about the whole thing. But I'm looking at it from, you know, from pre-teens because obviously I'm thinking about this especially for our children my daughter's nine right so she's not in in that yet she doesn't have a phone and um she she doesn't have any social media but she will at some point and you you've got a 14 year old um and you're feeling more optimistic about their ability to manage social media so that's in a way I feel like we've started this podcast with with you giving me some kind of hope and reassurance because honestly (laughs) until we had this conversation I just Jim, you know, we've talked about it a lot this weekend. Obviously, we're recording this part. I was feeling quite terrified about the years to come. Yeah. I still do feel yeah, quite terrified. Oh, absolutely. And there are terrifying things out there. Um, this business of nudes, people can so quickly send a... It's awful. This idea that you, you, you're almost obliged to send a nude. Um, yeah, I mean... The, the, and then it disappears, but it can be saved and then can be used against you. But... The schools and the police get involved very quickly. And I think that's... We didn't have anything like that, did we? Of course we didn't. I'm trying to think. No, we were saying we had rumours, didn't we? But we didn't have things like videos going round or... uh... Of course not. And the thing is, this is what you're saying about the technology getting ahead of us. 
Like I'm, I'm still so behind it. These things that disappear. Yes. Because yes. then, have you seen it or haven't you? And what was it? And can you, can you hold someone to account for, yeah. for a picture that's that's disappeared? And I, wor- I really worry about our teenagers, especially our girls, also our boys, having to deal with this kind yeah. of stuff. But then I guess you're saying that maybe they've got they're better equipped than we. Well, well some than we think. So maybe I think the ones that, for me, I suppose it's only obviously my experience. The kids, basically, who still have their majority of um, socialisation in person mm. treat it as just li- as something that's sort of part of them. But it's not, you know, they, they, everything. the things that really give them the endorphins are being, you know, sitting in a park with each other or going on camp together. Okay. Um, generally being physically in the same space. Now, but that's reassuring because I think, I mean, I only see snapshots mm. in teenagers' lives because I get sometimes I get a bus at the same time as the school comes out. And literally, I'm kidding you not, every single kid on this bus that are staring down at their phone right. from the moment they got onto the bus to the moment they got yeah. off. And that absolutely terrifies me. The teenagers in my area are cycling around on their bikes, on their phones, and I'm thinking to myself, God, can't you even enjoy a bike ride? Yeah. We'll just all, we'll be turning them into zombies and it scares me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I suppose some kids won't know what it's like not to have that third arm or whatever it is their phone but i guess um, it's reassuring that you're saying that the teenagers that you see um social media and phones are one part of their lives yeah but one, one, there's also many many other parts Absolutely. of their lives now and... maybe for those more introverted teenagers who would naturally be in their room you know maybe it is good and bad maybe it's good in the fact that they don't have to leave their room in order to be in touch with people mm-hmm. or to be you know, doing things they enjoy doing, like Minecraft or whatever it is, um, maybe it's also bad. Maybe if they're having dark thoughts and we know there are some really, really unregulated areas of the internet where they might be, um, you know, whatever's causing them distress might get worse because they're in touch with people who are really not going to help. And sure, fine, there's parental regulations, there's this and that, and they, they work to a certain point, but... Um, you know, there's only so much you can control, isn't Absolutely. there? Absolutely, as I was saying about those parents who think their kids don't have those apps, well... Oh, yeah, this week she was telling me, we'd like to talk about the second phone. Yeah, thing. well, I know that, for instance, like, the the parents I've spoken to who who um, say that their, you know, their kids, for very good reasons, don't have these apps, mainly because they, they feel like they're wasting their time on them and actually they're talk- it, would, it doesn't set them up well for life to be wasting time on these apps. Well, in fact, those kids do have them because they have a secret phone yeah. which they can so easily get from their mates and they can get a pay-as-you-go data sim from Tesco. Yeah. So the best thing to do as the parent of a teenager is probably accept they will, whether they have a phone or not, they will probably have a phone with these apps yeah. on it. And it's more about educating them and, and keeping their lines of communication open so that, you know, if it does go wrong, they can hopefully Absolutely. come to you. And if they've got good enough friends around them, definitely, the, the friends will be there for them if it, if it goes wrong. And really push them to have experiences that, you, you know, you can't do digital whatever it might be whatever their thing is really encourage that and that might mean a bit of effort in arranging something rosie doesn't have access to a phone unless it's my phone which i will give her under my supervision from time to time you know it might be like oh mummy i want to like 
I want to draw a unicorn. Can we Google, you know, a unicorn on YouTube, how to draw one? Yeah. And then the next video that comes up is some inane person, like unboxing a, you know, I don't know, makeup or something. I can just see yeah. her, how drawn she is yeah. to that. And then that, that just makes me think at a certain point, I won't be able to stop that. I'll just have to accept that she'll need to limit or she'll need to find her own stopping signal. And how can I expect her to do that when I can't even do that? Because I find, like I said earlier, like that I'm helplessly, I feel like helpless uh, holding this smartphone in my hand. I hate it. I feel like it's got so much power over me. But you're um, thinking critically about it now. You know, you, you are, and Rosie will, can I use her name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Rosie will, will see that, you know, that you have these discussions like unboxing, of course, it's like these addictive things on YouTube, it's awful. And like chat with, it's, a, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. But, you know, if you can have share values I suppose where you talk about why that video maybe appeals instantly and actually mm. just think about the consequences of what's going on there and what what's being taught what sort of why is that kid unboxing and what does the maker of that video want you to do where does that product come from um and I suppose oh, I want to write all these yeah, questions down this you know, is a it's, like, it's, it's great it's it's sort of like you know, what does that mean for a worker in China? I mean, this sounds really, really worthy. And, oh, my goodness, like, no and I have a, such a laugh watching unboxing videos every now and then. Of yeah, course we do. Yeah, so but, but it, and I suppose the internet's a bit like plastic and that it was such a great invention and it's really saved so many, you know, we can get things so cheaply because of plastic. It's really saved lives because of things that you can make from plastic, but it's gone too far. And mm. when everything's this, this one-use plastic, you know, it's all become too much. So the internet, like anything, it just exploded, didn't mm. it? And it's not always that force, force for good. So I'm rambling a bit now. No, no, no. But, but I totally, I totally agree with you. And I think, um, you know, I was talking to my husband about this. He's a bit like, oh, calm down, stop panicking. You know, yeah. people panicked when electricity was invented. People panicked when cars were invented. Well, they should have panicked when cars were invented. That's another conversation. Yeah. People panicked when the television was invented. And I'm like. I get all that, but in my opinion, the internet and social media is is a different level. I I I just really feel that we have created a monster, and I'm talking from how how it's affected me personally. Mm-hmm. So I think about the fact that I got my first smartphone twenty years ago, and the fact that I believe I had much better concentration. I think I had lower stress levels. Um, I think I had more enjoyment of my environment before I had a smartphone yeah. than since. Yeah. But the thing that I sort of find interesting about me and my smartphone, it's a bit like, you know, if you binge on chocolate, it's, it gets me when I'm, when I'm yes. low. Yes. So I'm, we're having this conversation, as listeners may know, while I'm in the middle of chemotherapy. So I'm spending a lot of time in bed feeling like crap. And, you know, I might be better off you know, listening to the sounds of the birds chirping outside or doing a meditation or checking in with my, you know, my breathing and my my body. But I'm not doing any of that. I'm just insanely scrolling. And it's like, it's almost like, how how much can I do this? Because I know it's really bad for me. Like when you binge on chocolate, yeah. it's like, oh, I could just eat some more. And that's going to be really, really disgusting. Yeah. Um, and I can, you know, I know that it's bad for me. 
And knowing those mm. sites have been designed to really exactly. get you, like the same way chocolate chemicals are there to really give you that I need more. And it will never satisfy that sort of sense of never satisfy. And, and I just fall into the trap. Mm. I fall into the trap. You know, and even yeah. even this bloody scrolling for um, dresses. We're going to a wedding in July, and um, obviously I I googled wedding guest dresses mm. at some mm. point while I was lying in bed wanting something to look forward to. And of course, um, the algorithms pick up that this person wants a floral midi dress yes. or whatever it is. And then um, I just fall straight into the trap. And now I'm obviously just being bombarded with adverts <laughs> for floral midi dress. And I'm just clicking on them like an absolute yeah. lamb to the slaughter. And it's hours of my life that I'm losing. But in a way, I'm trying to let myself off the hook a bit at the moment because on reflection and going back to my earlier point I'm now wondering whether that's correct what I said about you know I was happier less stressed more in touch with myself before I had a smartphone um I guess I had different stresses and like I'm I'm trying to educate myself on how to live more healthily with my smartphone but what I really don't like is what I really don't like as someone who loves reading Rachel is that I know that my concentration has gone very badly in the wrong direction and I'm pretty sure that's because we're so used to scrolling now and seeing headlines and you're halfway through an article and it suggests another article that might interest you and and I'm clicking on that because I haven't even finished the first article and then in the second article there's an ad halfway down that interests me and then when it comes to trying to have like a conversation about current affairs I realise that I've got lots of keywords in my head and I've seen lots of headlines but I've never, I've not taken the time to like sit and digest an article the way I would have um, if like back in the day, we used to get the Guardian. So I know that sounds really lefty, like we're really, we're really lefty family growing up the Guardian. We used mm-hmm. to get the Guardian every weekend. And I just used to sit down mm-hmm. and read it. I, I agree. But what, what a bind we're in because when we're working, or as you say, even to do your life admin, the the way to do it is inevitably digital so we've got a screen for work we've got a screen for um you know we're getting all of our communication really requires a screen yeah so unless you have a devoted screen for just text or something you know just articles what do you do it's um, i have actually generally considered going back to like a nokia um (laughs) um, phone. (laughs) i have i couldn't i couldn't do it because whatsapp is my love and my enemy at the same time because okay. I love the connection that WhatsApp gives me and I know we're going off the subject of social media a bit no, but I, I still think, think it's, it's relevant just, just think about what platforms the um, youngsters I, are using as well I don't know if, I think WhatsApp's maybe not what the youngsters use no now, it's not for me it's um, it, like I said it's my friend and it's my enemy I love the connection it brings me um, I've definitely I've been to really great music gigs really great theatre really great events I've met up with really had really interesting social experiences that were all organized via whatsapp yeah that i might have missed if it wasn't for it um same with my children i mean their social life is basically organized on whatsapp at the same time if i'm honest i feel a kind of pang of anxiety whenever i go to open that i could use my thumb to open that green icon okay so i don't have notifications anymore because i noticed that the notifications Right. Instigated a feeling of real swirling of anxiety. Okay. A ding makes me feel very anxious. Okay. So I turned them off. 
But that's basically done bugger all to help because now I'm just constantly thinking, what if someone's WhatsApp to me? What if they've WhatsApp yeah. to me? I think with WhatsApp, like it's people gen, it's generally people you know that you would be seeing anyway. So yeah, I think with WhatsApp, it sort of almost is just like making arrangements. That's basically what it's, it's for, useful. isn't it? Um, but do you not get anxiety that you haven't replied to messages? Oh, it's absolutely overwhelming, and I think that is because it's now so easy to get in touch with people quickly that actually we're probably filling up our diaries. I mean, mm. I, I, I'm a chronic overfiller of a diary. Yeah. And I find myself, I find the stress of kind of having to back down from something because I basically haven't learnt my lesson in the way I've filled. But, um, uh, yeah, and I think something, some, because some of, some of that is the, the, the sheer efficiency of WhatsApp to be able to go, you know, yeah, but you're right, maybe it makes us schedule more things and then that brings more anxiety. And that when I'm at a time in my life yeah. when I'm really working on trying to lower my stress levels, yeah. I, I have identified for reasons that I haven't quite understood because, like I said, there's a lot of benefit, but I've identified WhatsApp as a source of stress. Yeah. So what I would really like to do is um, dedicate, like, say, half an hour in the morning and half an hour in the afternoon to just kind of WhatsApp admin. But that's not how WhatsApp's designed to work. It's like a trickle throughout the day. But I think that's a great idea. And I think, you know, whatever habits of highly successful with effective people, they probably do something like that. Like I know people who only answer emails um, before nine at midday and at 5pm. And I would love to do that, but I think I'm addicted. I think I'm addicted to... Uh, it's just for me it's like it's a muscle memory yeah. I, I can open my yahoo or my whatsapp and mm. i don't even realize that i've done it yeah it's such a reflex i'll do it first thing in the morning and that's right it's become so i've got a friend who does this thing who she said she was getting really i think it was to do with also to do with news so it's slightly different from social media but let's face it a lot of the news we get is through social media um of waking up every day and just going oh god the world's gone to you know, yeah. So she just made herself whatever it was, just read before looking at her phone, <laughs> ideally looking at her kids and her partner, but also reading a poem. Like, and yeah. that sounds like really, like, just like read something, no, that's such a good engage idea. with some sort of written word that isn't your phone. And then. But I find it easier to do things like that when I'm in a good yes. good place yes and the, the house is tight yeah i find when the, the house and my life is a little chaotic that's where i kind of it's a quick distraction that, i'm not even aware of it but mm. oh my goodness i'm on some sort of you're on a scroll. scroll yeah i think that's what when you know when i started thinking about what i wanted to say on this subject i started off thinking i'm just going to rant about how worse my life offers because of my smartphone and how I wish I could throw it into Lake Geneva and never have to see it again. And I realise now that actually that's that's actually one part of what yeah. my smartphone does for me. And I think in my head I've got, mm. I decided that it's so negative for me that I'm terrified of my children having it. But like during this, during this conversation, I'm realising that there's, there's so much more to it, isn't there? And, the, you know, the benefits yeah. that we've talked about as well. Yeah, I suppose it is worth... They are worth pointing out. 
it's one of those things where it basically it tests those most vulnerable bits about you. And when you're trying to parent, especially, I suppose, you know, pre-teen or teenagers, I think all you can do is, well, I suppose all you can do is the is stick to your guns and actually go, what's really, you know, what are the few things that you think are important about trying to pass on and trying to develop? And if that's about, for, for me, that's about being you know surrounding yourself with people who are good and you know who bring you joy, bring you joy and also activities and especially explore, exploration and whether that's of of things we are being fed um online whether that's being uh, on the television or in the playground but the world itself and you know you don't see kids who go away for the day and it sounds such a cliche who get to tramp about in the woods even if it's sitting around and having a sneaky vape by a bonfire but there's mm. something about that human connection that i i think people who have that tend to just have a bit they more gravitate balance. towards that they want that they're grounded as much as they want the phones yeah i think and i think so and i think they find reasons to do like in scotland at the moment you know there's teenagers travel all over scotland for free with these bus passes well, actually, even if they're on the phone in that burst journey, at least by the time they get to like wherever it is, yeah, you know, yeah. in Venice, they can't be hope. I think you've got Lizzie. I think you've because I, I mean, I think it's snapshot. We have these teenagers to. I see on the burst. I've just convinced myself they're all zombies and they're all addicted. They might be on Duolingo. Probably, I'm sure <laughs> that's what they're Duolingo. doing. They're learning Arabic. They're not. They're not spamming their friends with awful vitriolic messages, are they? They're learning a foreign language. Because those aren't their friends. Te- mm. I think that's a really good point, Lizzie. Teach them what friendship actually is, mm. what it means. Yeah. And then, you know, if they find themselves, you know, going down the rabbit hole of, like, if someone's being horrible to them mm. online or something, that they'll have enough of a sense of their own worth not to not to worry about yeah. it. And, so it's not about banning these things because they're no. there anyway, is it? It's not even about managing them because I think there's really only so much a parent can manage. At a certain point, it's just over to the yeah, child, who, or teenager or young adult, and just hope to God that you've given them yeah. the right tools. And they, they are great levellers themselves, you know, without going into detail. They do call out bad behaviour. Maybe my takeaway from this conversation is, is that I shouldn't worry about the teenagers. I should worry more about myself. It sounds like I've got myself into a real bind with my smartphone. Well, I, I, I think because it came out, came to us as such a, a lovely thing in some ways where we were able to, you know, I just had a baby. I was able to share. The thing, the way I look back at some of those photos I shared on Facebook of my daughter and I think, oh, my God goodness or just it was new we were like kids in a candy shop it was was new technology i also cringe people across the world that i loved and it was so easy it was was entirely positive entirely positive and then goodness i think also if you're um and maybe this will be the last point because we're coming to the end of of the time slot but um i think if you're i mean i will hold my hands up and say that i've never really been a very the kind of person that knows my own mind very well. I've always been quite easily swayed by other people. So whenever I've found... So the internet hasn't really helped me with that because you can find answers, people with all sorts of different yeah, opinions. Yeah. So, like, for example, when I had um, my first baby, I I was down the rabbit hole on yeah. babycentre.com, you know, yeah, and, yeah. you know, with all the different advice, and I got myself in a real bind. You know, I look back and I just want to tell that person step away from the phone 
look at your baby. And it's a little, um, but I guess another optimistic thing is I think I have learned from that because here we are 10 years on almost. I'm dealing with breast cancer and obviously you can find all sorts of information and online communities. Um, And whereas I would probably say 30% of that, um, of the Facebook group that I'm on has brought me positive information and genuinely helpful information. Mm. Um, I would say probably 70% of it has just made me really unsure about whether I'm approaching things in the right way, whether I'm dealing with things in the right way and made me question myself. Um, yeah. So I think my point is, is that, you know, if you're, if you're even remotely unsure about something that's going on in your life, the internet can be a very dangerous place to go and look for, for answers. And probably self-regulation is incredibly important. And conclusion from this conversation being, we hope that our teenagers and young adults will be better equipped to have that self-regulation than maybe our generation, who were like kids in a candy shop when we got this access. Yes. Yes. Um, kind of went a bit too far with it, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, maybe I I've been a bit hard on myself. With I think the... you've been very hard on yourself because, Lizzie, I, when you tell me about the advice that you've got, quite often it's from because you're so good at making connections in person. You I know, do love connecting you, with people. I mean, that's why I want to do this podcast. You, you do that and people have spoken to you about all sorts of things and it's because of the friendships you've built and, and that's what your children will see. You'll see that actually... <laughs> other people can bring you an awful lot of strength and hope and pleasure and joy especially when you're in the same room and once you've got the same room you can then go off and be in separate countries and still keep in touch using that's the internet but because you've had that physical connection that's a great way to end this podcast hope so. i'm so glad that it's ended on a positive um that the whole thing's been quite optimistic actually because so. when i as i said when i started off planning this podcast I thought oh god I'm just going to have a massive rant about the internet but no and that's the thing that I really wanted to achieve from these conversations was you know learning from friends and um yeah of course it's it's great to think that you know I don't have to be quite so terrified as my um young daughter enters the teenage years you don't thanks for reassuring me my friend (laughs) Thanks, I think Rachel needs to write a manual about educating children. You know, it's going to go terribly wrong now in the next <laughs> Maybe. couple of years. <laughs> Maybe not, but I've genuinely had some really great oh. tips from you. Um, okay, thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love you to tell all your friends. And perhaps you could follow us on Instagram and or Facebook by searching for us at Convos During Chemo. If you have any feedback for us, good or bad, we'd also love to hear from you. Please send us a message or a DM. The email address is chemoconvo at yahoo.com. You can also contact us on Facebook or Instagram. See you next time.